So faith is supposed to impact and, and shape everything in our lives. I think the most fundamental area or the most dramatic way that we should see our faith impact our life is up here in our thinking. Faith should dramatically shape the way that we think. I want to, know, I want to suggest tonight that this really uh, ultimately impacts everything in our life, what goes on up here. Tonight I want to uh, contrast two very different ways of thinking, two very different mindsets. Perhaps we would um, we could say two different lenses through which we can see life, see the world. The first mindset is that of the problem mindset. Now, when I talk about the problem mindset, I'm not talking about those, those moments that come in our life when we just need to face stuff, right? I'm not talking about those moments. So I'm talking here about that focus that we can have on what's wrong. What should be better? What, um, you know, what that person did that they shouldn't have done. That kind of glass half empty kind of view of life. Anyone had that from time to time? The problem mindset, which seems to be able to attach itself to us so easily, doesn't it? And, and also, the mindset that we seem to be able to justify so easily. Oh, of course I would think like this, because of this, and this, and this, and this. It's a problem mindset. You know, uh, St. Paul talks about the fruits of the Spirit, and one of the fruits we know is self-control. Now, of course, self-control would apply to all kinds of areas of our lives. But I reckon this is probably one of the most important areas we need to, we need to um, access that virtue of self-control, right? In our thoughts. Because we know that, that how we think leads us in a certain direction, right? So, the first mindset, the first lens through which we can see life is that of the problem mindset. The second is that of the promise. In particular, the promise of God. The promise of a God who is faithful. This is a different lens through which we can see life. A God who is in everything. Through this lens, we see and we believe in a God who can make good of everything. A God who is just. A God who is reliable. This is not just positive thinking, by the way. But this way of of thinking, of seeing the world, this lens is a lens which is which comes out of a, a place of faith, a conviction that Christ really did conquer the grave, that he has overcome darkness, that he has overcome death, and therefore he can overcome whatever it is that I may be facing in my life. This really is a mindset of faith. Tonight's opening prayer uh, illuminates this promised mindset so beautifully. So I just want to reflect on it a little bit because it teaches 
us something important about how it is that we can foster this mindset of faith. For those who are listening, I'm sure you remember the opening prayer tonight. O God, who have prepared for those who love you good things which no eye can see. What are we hearing there? A promised mindset, right? That we can see through the eye of faith things which are not evident necessarily with our kind of, you know, human perception. But through the through our faith perception, we trust that there are good things which we can't even see right now. But this prayer then, it then helps us to kind of um, see the flow. Uh, helps us to appreciate how it is that we can uh, develop, foster this kind of promised mindset in our life. So it starts by saying, fill our hearts, we pray, with the warmth of your love. In other words, let us experience this. The prayer is, is asking God for an experience of faith. Let our hearts experience your warmth so that in loving you in all things and above all things. So when we experience the warmth of God, when we have that moment of, of, of faith experience, see what the prayer says? It shifts the way that we think. Now we suddenly we see God in all things and we believe God above all things. Our faith affects the way that we think. And then we may attain your promises which surpass every human desire. You see the flow? It begins with faith. It shifts the way that we see the world. We start to see God even when God doesn't seem so evident. And then when we start to see through that mindset, through that lens, we open up the door to receive God's promises. Now, if this flow is true, what I want to suggest for tonight is that how we think is so critical. How conscious are you in your day-to-day life of what's going on in here? I want to suggest tonight that this promised mindset is really the key that unlocks the life, the richness of life that God has in store for us. It's, it's really the key, this mindset is the key that, that unlocks uh, everything that we, we stand for and that we believe in as Christians. So tonight I want to just reflect a little bit more about how we can, we can foster this mindset in our life, because I know how hard it can be at times, huh? That negative thing, that the glass half empty, we just so easily kind of dominate our world and our consciousness, and often we don't even realise it. So what I want to suggest tonight is that how we how we how we move into that mindset of of uh, of promise, how we see through that lens of faith begins with being full and it ends with being full. We talk tonight about being full for Christ. What up? I want to do this by unpacking a little bit uh, of uh, um, teaching from a, a French philosopher called Paul Ricoeur. 
Uh, he, he dabbled a little bit in theology too, but uh, primarily he was a philosopher. And one of his great uh, legacies, I guess, he left, is probably more in the area of theology, really. Uh, he helps us to understand something of the development that needs to happen within us as we go on the journey of faith. And, and so I just want to touch on that. I just want to unpack it a little bit tonight because it helps us understand how we can grow in this mindset of, uh, of promise in our life. So for a girl would say uh, the first stage on our spiritual journey is that of what he calls the first naivety. And this is, uh, this is kind of like that stage in your faith where you just believe everything on face value, right? All right. If the priest says that, I believe that. If, you know, uh, you know. You just you read the stories in the in the Bible. You just believe them on face value. Now, that can be a good thing, right? I mean, I'm not, I'm not saying that's necessarily a bad thing, but uh, we really haven't at this stage. We really haven't made much of an effort to understand what it is that we're reading or hearing. We just kind of, yep, okay, I'll I'll, I'll take that on board. I believe it. Or I guess another way that we could um, we could uh, categorise this stage in our faith journey is that we become a young we're a young people, right? We we we're young on the journey. Uh, we haven't really made an effort to to become adult in what we believe and why we believe it. It's important to recognise we can't stay here, right? We heard that in the first reading tonight. Uh, first reading is the book of wisdom, and in the context, it seems like is that it's uh, it's addressed to these young men who've been trained as leaders, and they're in the king's court. Uh, they're being trained in the ways of wisdom, and, and and the reading goes on to say, "Who are those who are foolish? Who are those who are ignorant? Come and eat from the banquet of wisdom. Why? Because we can't stay as young fools." We, 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 need to, we need to grow in our understanding why we believe what we believe. The second stage, Korogu would say, is that of the critical fire. This is that time where we, we make a decision to really um, try and understand why we believe what we believe. So we read books, we do courses, we uh, get into theology, we talk to people, we get on YouTube, of course. And, uh, and now we start to kind of learn how to integrate what it is that we believe. This is the important stage, of course, because it helps us to kind of own our faith. And, and, and that's what St. Paul's saying tonight in the second reading. He says, Be careful about the sort of lives you lead, like intelligent and not like senseless people. Do not be thoughtless, but recognise what is the will of the Lord. This is an important stage for us. We need to own what we believe. We need to understand why it is that we, we live the way that we've chosen to live as followers of Jesus. And, and in a different way, I guess we could categorise this, if you're going to pick up the language of fool, is that now we're an old fool. We started as a young fool, but now we're, we're people sophisticated. We've, you know, we've learned, we've understood, and we've been through that critical fire. Now we're an old fool. Girl then goes on to say that there's a third stage, and this is really the critical one. He calls this stage the second naivety. Now, this is the stage that sort of um, we, we enter into, especially through suffering, through, through experience of wonder, 
we've got all these punches out hard. It's often the ways that we sort of move into this stage, but this is also a kind of, um, it is a naivety, but it's different to the first one because now we've got all that critical stuff under our belt. Now we've done all the legwork and we've kind of got all that head knowledge, but despite that, now we move into a different place of naivety. Now it's more like a childlikeness. It's like this, this surrender, this trusting surrender before God. We still see the complexities of life. We still have unanswered questions. We still have the sickness. We still, um, you know, are struggling to find a job or whatever it is that we may be <coughs> challenging us in life. But despite all that, we've kind of got our eyes on the promise. And, and it's the promise that overwhelms all the other stuff that's going on in our life. Korakua calls this the second naivety. You know, Thomas Aquinas had this experience. He was one of the most brilliant minds, philosophers in our, in our church's history, right? But then towards the end of his journey in the critical fire, he has this moment of experiencing Jesus. And what does he want to do? He wants to burn all that stuff that he wrote, all the volumes which we still revere in our theological libraries. Why did he want to burn it? Because he realised that when he really needs to be, he's in this place of second naivety where he's like a child before God. We could call this place the place for the holy fool. So we move from a young fool to an old fool and most importantly to a holy fool. Someone who has come through the head stuff and now has had this profound encounter with the wonder and mystery and the goodness of God. St. Paul said himself, didn't he? I'm a fool for Christ. And that's also our job, is to move into this place where we become holy fools, uh, just awestruck for the mystery of God. So yes, still with the struggles, still with the unanswered questions, but we've, we've now, with an experience of God, which kind of just puts all that stuff into perspective and enables us to see everything now through the lens of promise, because we know in some mysterious way, we can't explain it exactly, but we know that God is bigger than it all. And so I can see even tough things in life through the lens of promise. The gospel today is one of those rubber hits the the road kind of moments for the disciples, but also for us. Jesus says today to uh, those who want to listen to him, basically puts an ultimatum before them. He says, if you want the promise, if you want to experience all the richness that I have in store for you, that I've been talking about, that the Father has been promising you, there's only one way you can receive it. You need to believe that I am the bread from heaven. You need to believe that I am the only one that can connect you with this life that you are deeply longing for. You need to believe that the Eucharist that I give you 
uh, the bread and the wine is actually my flesh and blood. And that as you receive that, you become one with me and, and I become one with you. Jesus is saying that this is, this is the only way that you can receive the promise that I made available to you when I hung like a fool on the cross. See, Jesus is the first holy fool, huh? He's the first one who has to face the, um, the mystery of suffering. But he hung like a, on the cross like a holy fool so that we too might become holy fools. So that we too would have that conviction that whatever is going on in our life, that the promise of God is always, will always come. So that we don't need to let go of our peace. We don't need to let go of our hope, whatever the circumstance may be. The key for us is to be, is to reach that, that place of, of, of foolishness for Christ. So I just want to pray for a moment. I want to pray that we um, would not be like those in the, in the gospel tonight. You see, when Jesus said you need to believe that I am the bread of life, they couldn't believe it. They started arguing. How can he say he's good, he's, he's bread, he's blood? And they couldn't get it. They were stuck in the critical part, right? It's only grace that takes us into this place of being a holy fool. So I just want to pray for that just for a moment now. I want to invite you to, to close your eyes and just to open up to this grace. I invite you to, if that's, if that's you, and if, if, that's, if that's something you're desiring for yourself to, to enter into that place of being a, a holy fool, childlike before the mystery of God, you might just like to place your hands out in front of you or even raise your hand. Don't worry, everyone's got their eyes closed. And this is as a way of acknowledging your desire for that grace. Father, we just ask that you would give us that same conviction that you gave Jesus. That you are faithful. That you are trustworthy. That despite all the questions and all the challenges of our life, that we can be firm in our conviction that your promises are real. Help us, Lord, just to, um, just to, to, to draw upon this conviction, especially when things are challenging us in life, that we be able to look at them through the lens of promise, through the lens of faith. Just pray that you convict our hearts right now, right now that you would convict our hearts by the power of your spirit, of your goodness, of your faithfulness. Help us just to surrender for your mystery. Pray, Lord, that, that your foolishness on the cross as you hung there naked for us, 
as the ultimate pool. I pray that they would just touch our hearts right now and, and, and help us just to surrender to your promise. I pray that as we leave tonight, Lord, that we will, um, we will leave uh, looking through new lenses. Sure, we've got the same situations when we get home, but that we can see them now through, through the lens of faith, through the lens of your promise. We ask this through Christ, our Lord.